Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah. That plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Eurotrip, your favorite Eurovision podcast, of course, with me, James, and... Rob Lilly, hello, how are you? Hello, I am very good. I've uh, just had an apple pre-recording, so I am sprightly, recharged and ready to go. Well, I wish I was recharged and ready to go. I don't know if you remember last week, but on last week's episode I said I was super tired. Well, this week... Have you stayed up again? I've got two words for you, Rob. Daylight saving. Ah... The American Song Contest didn't start till 1am this week. Have you got Krista on the blower? <laughs> Can you ask him to move it, do you reckon? Oh, I don't know. You're funny you should say that. I don't know. I'm, I might give him a bell later this week and see if I can get in touch, see if he can move the start time. Yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it, if we could uh, if we could speak to Krista sometime soon? Yeah, wouldn't it just? But in the meantime, anyway, I'm still tired. Although I would say I'm still raring to go for today's episode of the Eurotrip. As you know, Lassandra always said, take it away. Hi, we are Tavi Okakamagnet, and you're listening to Eurotrip. I don't close any doors. I love Eurovision, I love Berlin Festival, and it will always be a part of me. That night, I found myself live on Russian state television for, for Russia's Song for Europe. I said to Joe, send BBC Teenage Life. Maybe two weeks later, I was at a press conference, and I was on Making Your Mind Up. Everyone was like, Eldar. Come, celebrate with us. The end of filming, they put honey on my face and I needed to be, you know, sexy with this honey on my face. Hi there, my name is Martin Estudal. I am the executive supervisor of the Eurovision Song Contest. You are listening to Eurotrip. Hello everybody and welcome to the Eurotrip, the world's favourite Eurovision podcast with me, Rob. Me, James. And this week, not one, but two of the class of 2022... We have got the representatives from the Czech Republic. They're back on the podcast with another edition of the Dommy Diary. And we've got Brooke 
from Ireland. Yeah, I absolutely loved sitting down with Brooke last week. She is so much fun. Rob, you spoke to her a couple of months ago before she won Eurosong in Ireland and we're so pleased to have her back because she's got so much energy. She is one of the most perfect ambassadors for a country at the Eurovision Song Contest you could ever ask for. And we chatted about absolutely everything. She will tell you a little bit about what we can expect from her staging in Turin. She'll also tell you about which iconic Irish singing legend she's now got in her contacts book on her phone and speaks to you on a regular basis. And she'll also tell you about this heartwarming statement about how she's preparing for Turin. This is my competition as, as much as it's your competition. Like, but everything that we do is going to be together. Like, for everybody that's with me, I want to just make everybody proud. And there's a lot of people that have put a lot into this. Um, yeah, as you say, it doesn't happen all the time, and it would be my chance to give back to them because everybody, every everybody benefits from that, not just me. And in addition to all of that, that Brooke didn't mention there, there will be mention of an aquatic animal that you won't be expecting. <laughs> Oh yeah, more on that a little bit later on. But also, Rob, you've been speaking to another of the class of 2022. That's right. We are Domi, of course. They're representing the Czech Republic. We found out earlier on that they're going to be closing semi-final two. We've got them back on the podcast for another Domi diary. And the first of our Trek to Turin guests as well. So we've got all that and more to come. You're listening on Acast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Eurotrip. So here we are then. The boys are back in town. That's uh, me and you, <laughs> by the way. We're the boys. And I was going to say Turin's the town, but we're not in Turin yet, I suppose, importantly. Six weeks to go, by the way, to Eurovision. Can you believe it? That's pretty scary. That's the first time I've heard somebody say it's six weeks, probably because this is the first time it has been six weeks <laughs> until Eurovision. But when you put it like that, God, it puts it into perspective about how close it actually is. Yeah, notice I kept it like deliberately vague so that you didn't then go, yes, that's right. It's, oh, let's work out how many days <laughs> is it until, because uh, honestly, we'd be here all day, wouldn't we? Everybody listening, me and James have finally booked our flights to Turin. Finally. God, what a journey that's been. And what a journey it will be as well. And also, should we clear up the mess about the Airbnb? All these weeks you've been saying, pay me for the Airbnb, pay me for the Airbnb. We should say, I actually haven't, because we've ended up booking a new one. (laughs) Have you paid me for the new one? I haven't, actually, so I do need to still pay you for it. (laughs) I think I need you to do that as well. I genuinely think I've got about £8 in my account. So if you can can do that, that would be great. Yeah, I think you may remember listening to last week's episode where we realised that the Airbnb that was originally booked was a long way from the venue. Like I think it was basically over the French border. It was quite far <laughs> away from the uh, from the venue. However, now, James, we are equidistant between the arena and the Eurovision Village. Pretty central. Pretty central. So, yeah, we're going to be in a great place to bring you some great content in Turin when we head over there. Flights are booked. The accommodation's booked. Yeah, very excited for six weeks' time. We now, of course, have the semi-final running orders, which I will, of course, talk to We Are Dommy about in the Dommy Diary a little bit later on. They're closing semi-final two, so a very interesting position for them. Now, we got a lovely message after last week's episode from Simon. He got in touch on Instagram, which you can do, of course, Drop us a message on there. Uh, Simon said, loving the podcast, guys, as a Spanish-British Aussie. What a fun trio of nationalities. Uh, now living in Sweden, he said, I've really enjoyed your Melfest pods a lot as well. Keep up the good work. 
And then, James, Simon picks you up on your Swedish pronunciation and, and kind of what you were saying last week. You'll have to remind the listeners, but he said, uh, Taximiket is thank you very much with a little winky face. Oh, not Simon as well. He's the second person we've gotten in touch <laughs> over the last seven days about that. Yeah, I said Taximika means thanks a million. I honestly thought it did, but Simon corrected me and so did at uh, Thank You Europe on Twitter, saying that his Duolingo lessons have suggested that um, I was probably getting confused with Tusentak, which literally means a thousand thanks. That's a nice saying. A thousand thanks. I like that. It is. So apologies for that one. And also, we've got a long list of apologies to go through. I feel like we've just been doing everything wrong. Let's start with apologies <laughs> to listener Cory, who we name-checked on last week's episode, because we thought that Cory had come up with the name Trek to Turin, but she got in touch to say, thanks for the thanks, but that wasn't me. <laughs> yeah, Cory came up, as it turns out, with, oh, I haven't got a tweet to hand. Was it Torin to Turin? Yeah, I can't quite make it sound right. Maybe in her accent it sounds great, but it's like, Turing Turin. Turing Turin. Turing Turin. Maybe that's that was, what... That, I was going to attempt to do a Dutch accent. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Maybe that's what our episodes will be called when we get on the ground, because we'll be Turing Turin when we're there. That might make sense when we we'll get there. We'll be Turing Turin during... <laughs> and then Eurovision Week, which doesn't, doesn't work as well. Uh, we've got another apology. Honestly, we've got so many apologies that we had to write them all down before we started this, because we feared forgetting one. Uh, we realised not long ago, like days ago, the email that we give you every week. Uh, turns out it's not been working for about three months. <laughs> so anybody who has got in touch with us over the last three months, uh, sorry, uh, we've not seen it uh, because the email's not been working. <laughs> but rest assured, everyone, the email is back online now. So we would love to hear from you. Send us any of your emails, hello at eurotrippodcast.com. If anything, just send us an email to make sure that the inbox is definitely working again. Yes, please do. We love it when you get in touch. So you can do it on the email now that it's working or on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Eurotrip Podcast on there. And also you can head to the website as well for any of our exclusive stories from our interviews. That is eurotrippodcast.com. So James there with all of the ways that you can get in touch. And honestly, I wasn't even joking. You would be helping us both out if you did send us an email. This sounds a bit desperate, doesn't it? If you did send us an email, hello at eurotrippodcast.com because we do need to check whether the inbox is still working. So can you please do that? Thanks very much. Yeah, Rob doesn't have a personal email address, so he gets very excited when he sees any email into uh, an inbox. Maybe that's why he's getting so excited about it. Me, not so much. Feel free to tweet or send... I was going to say Instagram us. That's, that's, that sounded like I don't know what I'm talking about. Send us a Snapchat. No, we don't. <laughs> Imagine if we had a Eurotrip Snapchat. What would that be? Just disappearing pictures of you and the mice in your loft. <laughs> Anyway, that's food for thought. Shall we instead do all the latest Eurovision news? Because I think, well, I was going to say there's a lot to go through. Maybe there's not a lot, but there's some big news stories anyway. And we'll start with some of the most anticipated news and some of the news that Rob teased a little bit earlier on. The running orders for the two semi-finals have been released. Semi-final one will see Albania opening and Armenia's Rosalind closing. And then two days later, the Rasmus will open semi-final two. And then We Are Dommy will close the show with Lights Off. 
very fitting, if you ask me. Uh, now, more on Eurovision in a sec, but Monday night saw the second show of the American Song Contest. At the start of the show, we found out that Oklahoma, Puerto Rico and Connecticut will join jury qualifier Rhode Island in the final. They were decided from the public vote from show one. Kentucky was the jury qualifier from this week's show and the public qualifiers will be revealed next week. I hope that makes sense. Now back to Eurovision and pre-party season has kicked off. It kicked off at the weekend in Barcelona with 11 of this year's artists taking to the stage as well as a whole host of special guests. The next party in the diary is in London which takes place on April the 3rd. That's this weekend. Very exciting. Now Zdob Sidob have unveiled a revamp. <laughs> yeah we'll go with that. I've got no better pronunciation. We'll go with that. I, I think it is. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It's meant to sound like like a drum kit isn't it? Zdob Sidob. Like how you would hit a drum, a cymbal and a drum. It's funny you mentioned that right. I was at a wedding on Saturday and I was sat next to a woman from the Czech Republic and she insisted that the dogs in the Czech Republic, you know obviously we would say that they like go woof woof. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So apparently in the Czech Republic she insists that the dogs go huff huff. <laughs> I'm not sure I believe it. Any Czech listeners, let me know. Well, I can I can ask uh, we are Domi, can I? Yes, you can. You can ask them in a little while and then we will find out. And any Moldovan listeners, jobsy dob. Am I getting it right? Anyway, they have unveiled a revamp of their song for Turin. There now appears to be a guitar solo and more English lyrics, although it's yet to be seen whether that will be the version they'll be performing on the stage in Italy. Uh, Now quickly, should we look ahead to 2023? Because it's unclear... Yeah, I don't know why we're looking ahead to 2023, but anyway, it's unclear how Israel will select its act for the contest next year as no company has applied to run its national selection process. So it could mean that Israel returns to an internal selection for both its artist and song, something it hasn't done since 2012, I think. May well be wrong. Happy to be corrected and do another apology <laughs> next week. I, I assumed I assumed you would have looked that up before the news, but I, you know, that's, I did that's look just it up. me. I did look it up. I'm pretty sure it's 2012. Let me know if I'm wrong. Anyway. Uh, Eurovision Executive Supervisor Martin Osterdahl has spoken publicly about the exclusion of Russia from the contest for the first time, saying that the Russian broadcaster had not really done anything wrong. They had sent good material and had not broken any rules, but it became unsustainable because we have rules that says you must not bring disgrace over the competition. Uh, Speaking about the Ukraine crisis directly, he added, we do not want to do political manifestations on stage, but we cannot do the world's biggest entertainment show without touching on what all the people are thinking about right now in Europe. And finally, Rob, sound the ticket klaxon, because tickets for the shows in Turin will be going on sale on April the 7th. Whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> Didn't have much thinking like for that one, did you? Well, you, you threw a ticket klaxon noise at me, so I had to come up with something very quickly. Uh, uh, apologies for that ticket klaxon noise. Oh, this is just going to be apology after apology. Uh, are you done? Uh, yeah, that was that was the end of the news. Yes, and finally so, was the big clue there. And uh, yes, yes, sorry, that was I, I was so distracted by the thought of having to make up a uh, <laughs> ticket klaxon noise on the spot that uh, I didn't notice that was the end of the news. Quite a lot there, quite busy, very busy. Yeah, as you said, six weeks to go, and it will only get busier from now it's, until Turin. 
It certainly will. Uh, you mentioned there, there is, of course, uh, another Eurovision pre-party this weekend in London. Big Eurovision pre-party. Uh, we saw last weekend the pre-party in Barcelona. We've got more coming up, of course. We've got uh, Eurovision in concert in Amsterdam. That's back. We've got another one in Madrid as well. I saw the Adriatic pre-party as well. That's uh, that's happening later on in the month. So it's all happening in the run-up to nearly said Rotterdam then. Oh, blimey. What a throwback. <laughs> 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 Should we get seats of Acker back on? <laughs> yeah, uh, blimey. No, in the run-up to Turin. Should know that. The uh, track to Turin, of course, coming up a little bit later. But a fixture at, I'm pretty sure, all of those pre-parties is Friends of the Podcast, the Czech representatives for Eurovision 2022, We Are Domi. Now, you may know already that we are lucky enough to be hearing from them every month in the run-up to this year's Eurovision Song Contest in their... Round of applause for this brilliantly titled feature, everybody, please. Brackets, we are Dommy Diary. <laughs> uh, apologies for that awful name. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they're coming on every month to tell us what they've been up to, given that, as a Eurovision act, this is an incredibly busy time. So they've been to all of the pre-parties. They have, I think, filmed their music videos. We'll ask them about that as well. But of course, there is one place I had to start with Benjamin, with Casper and Dominica, and it was to get their reaction to the running order draw for the semi-finals. And of course, they will be closing semi-final two. I mean, I it's, think it's, it's good. Awesome. Yeah. Right? We don't, we don't know, like, we've never been experts at what is the best position, but mm. uh, as far as we've understood, closing it is awesome. Yeah. And uh, it fits well with uh, us just turning the lights off and then they get to stay off, which is perfect for us. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess like, I mean, the way that I'm thinking about it is that people won't forget about us. So we'll kind of be in their heads fresh. So we need to do it well and not mess it up, not mess up the night for everyone, which of course we won't. Like we put in loads of work and I'm sure it's going to, I think it's going to, I think it's going to be great. Mm. So I'm pretty content about it. And also Number 18 is my favorite number. And mine. And, and Ben's favorite number. It, it hit me like two hours after the draw because in my head I just had, okay, we're just closing. We're last. But I never thought about the, uh, the, the number, what number we will be when people vote and 18 is perfect. Yeah. So, I mean, if it's my lucky number, it has to work out, surely. Like, I just feel like it has to. Yeah, because <laughs> it's one of the first, it's not one of the first things we talked about when we met, but it came <laughs> It came up after like knowing each other for a few years that Domi mentioned her lucky number is 18. And I was like, that's always been my lucky number since I was born on the 18th. And it's just always something I've had like 18th is my lucky number. Although I don't put too much like, yeah, I don't put too much, what's it called? Superstition into it, but it's yeah, just I always didn't. been a fun little like, <laughs> is the 18th my lucky number. So it's super fun that, uh, we're actually number 18 in the semi-final. That's, that's going to be awesome. Yeah, I, I know he's not with us at the moment, but this is where uh, this is where Statsman Casper needs to get involved, right? He's normally the guy yeah. with the spreadsheet and all the numbers. Like, he, he'll he be <laughs> adding it up somewhere. Oh, for <laughs> sure. He's going to be, like, dividing, subtracting, and being like, guys, if you look at this and this, bam. Dorian, please, you mentioned that 18 was your, uh, you, both of your favourite number, because I was having a look mm-hmm. on your, your Twitter earlier. And... Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I had a moment. I was freaking out. Oh my god, it's so good! It's so good. So yeah. you said that, um, yeah, you had a drunk talk about six months ago. Uh, that, yeah. that Ben, that you should get a tattoo with the number eighteen, or that you, sorry, Dommy, should get a tattoo Me. with the number eighteen on the bottom of your foot. So I mean, surely that yeah. has to happen now. 
for sure. Um, yeah, because I, I don't have any tattoos. And so I kind of felt like if I do ever get a tattoo. Okay, so basically it all started with our very first music video uh, that we released, I don't know, a, few, a couple of years ago um, with our first single. And at the time, I mean, we were just, it was like our first single, you know, starting off band. And I think we were celebrating the release of it. And I vaguely remember, because of course it was over drinks and we were celebrating and we were having fun. <laughs> I remember being like, if we ever hit 100K on this music video, I will let you guys choose what to tattoo on my ass. <laughs> so then we hit 100K maybe like two months ago and I still haven't gotten the tattoo, but I will do it. But I don't know. A couple of years it. saying this here, there's so much pressure for you to do it now. Yeah, yeah you're saying this in a public um, forum now, like everyone's yeah. hearing this. Yeah, and then I kind of, and then I don't know, like six months ago, we were just kind of saying like, oh, I should get that tattoo or, or I don't know, or that I should get a tattoo. And then I was like, oh, it'd be cool. Cause I've always wanted a tattoo on the bottom of my foot for some reason. I don't know why whatever it's weird and, and I, I, feel, I, I, I feel like the bottom well. of the, I was but yeah is it going to be more painful or not painful do you think the bottom of the foot what uh, so I think it's going to be super painful but that's yeah. that's fine like I don't I'm just weird with tattoos I kind of feel like if I tattooed myself I don't want anyone to know about it so that's why the bottom of my foot or my hands because I just feel like it's I don't know a delicate area which makes no sense whatever anyway I don't make sense the majority of the time <laughs> looking at our Twitter right now so so yeah I always, so I was thinking about tattooing the number 18 but it has to be done by Ben because we just kind of decided on that and like my big toe just the number 18 but it'll be kind of awkward if we don't get into the finals <laughs> and then I have they're reminding me like <laughs> And, and of course, since we last had you on the podcast, you've had the opportunity to perform your song live a couple of times as well. Now, you, mm-hmm. you performed it in Romania as well as part of their European selection process. And you performed it in the pre-party in Barcelona over the weekend as well. So what's it been like finally getting out there, being able to do the song live and the fans being able to see what you guys can do live on stage as well? Yep. Yeah, so those two shows were different, of course. So one of them was... For TV specifically so the crowd was actually sitting so it was a bit like of a different vibe but I mean I still saw people like put their hands up which was super cute um but the real kind of feeling that we want to always get out of um, our songs uh, when we play live is more for like a gig venue or a festival venue or something like that which was more of the vibe in Barcelona and I mean, honestly, like three minutes is just not enough <laughs> to be on that, like on stage with people that support you. So eh, I think I blacked out in Barcelona. I don't remember <laughs> what was going on because three minutes was just so quick, but also extreme ad- adrenaline uh, or I had extreme adrenaline. And then I was like, oh, that's it. OK. On uh, Saturday in Barcelona, it was just crazy to go on that stage and as soon as we went to the stage everyone was just screaming and as soon as we started the song everyone in it seemed like everyone in the room knew the whole song and were singing back to us and like I was supposed to just stand there and play and look cool but I I was just smiling as wide as I could the whole song and just singing along and I had a really good time yeah I think there's a moment uh that I was singing the song and then I took my in-ear out and I think I said into the mic, I was like, oh my God. Because <laughs> I could hear. I, lit- I honestly, I didn't even need to sing the song. So it was amazing. 
what was it like hanging out with some of the other Eurovision acts as well? Because that's presumably one of the first chances that you've had to, to meet with some of the other countries' entries that you're going to see in Turin, of course, as well. For sure. Yeah, no, we've already made some, I mean, I, can, I guess I can say friends or like better acquaintances. Like, of course, like these trips are so short and everyone's always really busy doing like press or preparing and so on and so on. Um, so it's hard to like mingle with every single person. Um, we'll have more time for that in the two weeks when we're in Turin. But um, in Romania, we were sat at the same table like for dinner with Stefan. He's lovely. So we got to meet Stefan pretty well. Like we hung out with him quite a bit. So he's a cool guy. And what's really nice as well, obviously, is the pre-party tour is basically just beginning. So you will get the opportunity to chat to so many of those artists again, get the chance to meet up with people that you've already met, which is really nice. We'll chat about the pre-party tour again in just a sec. But I did obviously also want to ask you about the music video, because this is something that we've seen oh, yeah. recently, which is so <laughs> exciting. Honestly, there's so much to catch up on since we spoke to you last. But you must be so pleased with how the music video turned out. Absolutely. And it was such long days on set. Like, obviously, Domi was there for longer than us because me and Casper had to go to our day jobs and then come to the music video. And then, yeah, we were there for like hours and hours. The first night, I think, was supposed to end at midnight, but uh, the crew was there to 3, 4 a.m. And then the second night, me and Casper went to work, mm -hmm. came back at like, uh, we came to the music video set at about three and then we were there till 6 a.m. Before we had to get up to work tomorrow the same morning, Cash had to get up at six basically. So yeah, it was really, really long days on set, but uh, it was definitely worth it because the way it turned out was just, yeah, we're super proud of how it looks. In order to get extras uh, for the music video, we actually just posted on our social media and some people, like even traveled that aren't from Prague, which I was just like, okay, do you have a place to sleep here? Like, is mm. everything okay? I was like, not expecting it at all. Yeah, one girl flew in from the UK. And, wow. Uh, one guy took the bus from Germany as well to be in the music video. Yeah, <laughs> it was super nice. So nice. So true. Now let's look ahead to what's coming up in the next few weeks, because it sounds like you've got a lot of packing to do and you've got a lot of performances to do. So what's happening next? Okay, so the first one will be London, which I heard has upgraded since previous years. So, so yeah, so we have London, which we're super excited about um, because actually some of our friends from uh, when we were studying in Leeds will be joining, right? Mm. I think it's confirmed. So, so that's just awesome. And then we're flying to Tel Aviv, mm -hmm. which none of us have ever been. Um, that's, I mean, we heard that it's going to be amazing. I, yeah, I think we're spending four days there as well. So we get to, we heard the program is very packed there, but uh, hopefully we'll get to just go around and relax and enjoy being there. And then we go to Amsterdam, which mm. I've been to Amsterdam before. I have not. And I don't think Casper's been to, or maybe he, he has. has. He has been to Amsterdam. And I heard Amsterdam's also awesome with the pre-party. Yeah, isn't that the oldest pre-party? Yeah, I think so. It's, yeah, it's the biggest one. So that's, yeah, that's going to be a great one for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, super excited about that. Yeah. And then you've got Madrid a couple of weeks later as well. Exactly. Yeah. Which I also heard that Madrid is mental. 
And in all of this chaos, you've got to work on your staging and rehearsals and all sorts. I mean, how are you how are you fitting it all in? Thankfully, we had a we have a really good team. So yeah. it's uh, it's we're not gonna spoil anything, obviously, but uh, it's looking awesome. We're super excited about the staging and uh, we hope the people love it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll see what people think. Are you gonna make use of the fountain? Fill up like with the keyboard in the electronics, Benjamin. That might not be the might not be the best idea. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> no, but we measured up because we measured up the whole stage in the uh, in the in a place here in Prague, and we were thinking like, is it possible for Dummy to jump those five, six, seven meters over the fountain and land <laughs> on the stage? But uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see in turn if uh, if she feels like it or not. I'm definitely not going to jump. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Imagine like the last act and it's just me like breaking my arm or something. Like, no. Or they could be time. break a leg, no? They do say break a leg, but I'm not going to actually gonna okay. do it, I mean, it would be very memorable for the recap if you did. So It would. I mean, it would specifically say like, this is the part that has to be in the recap. Just me like in agony breaking my leg. Where are you? Ah! Where are you? <laughs> Benjamin, Dominica, I'm not going to keep you for any longer because you've already told us how busy you are. Hopefully, we'll have the chance to catch up one final time before you get to Turin for our final entry in the Dommy Diary. And then maybe we can round it all off with a chat in Turin. We'd love to. Good yeah. luck for the next few weeks. And I hope you have a great time. Thank, Thank you, so you. Much. Thank you. Have a good one. This is the Eurotrip. When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. Always lovely to hear from We Are Dommy here on the podcast. And we'll hopefully be doing it again in April for our final entry into the Dommy Diary itself. But the dream, isn't it, is for the the final, final entry into the Dommy Diary is uh, that we have a chat with them in Turin. That's the dream, isn't it? Yeah, that would be good fun. Of course, we spoke to them in January, February, March. We will hopefully do it in April. And then in May, we followed their entire journey from when they were selected to represent the Czech Republic back in December. And then we'll get them back on in June, July, <laughs> August. We'll just find out what they're doing for the summer holidays after, shall we, as well. <laughs> no, we mentioned there, hopefully, we'll get the chance to talk to them in Turin. Well, now it's time for this. Because it is time for the Trek to Turin, James, and it's time for our first Trek to Turin guest. Yes, it is. Maybe you're listening going, what on earth is the Trek to Turin? Well, last year, when the contest was held in Rotterdam, we did our very own Rotterdam road trip. And every week, as we got prepared for the contest in the Netherlands, we spoke to somebody who was in the heart of the city. Somebody to give us a bit of a different perspective every single week to get us prepared for the contest in a brand new city. Well, this year, Turin is a brand new city to me, to you, Rob, probably to many of you listening. So each week, as we get closer to the contest, we're going to try and give you a flavour of what Turin is actually like. That's why I have been speaking to a man in America. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I have been speaking to a man in America, but please do let me explain. So I have been having a chat to Marcello Graziano. Now, he is a professor in America... He's in Cincinnati, that's where he lives, out there in the States. Hopefully he's been enjoying the American Song Contest. But he is born and bred from Turin. He's a Turiner? 
Uh, that's, that's what thing we need to find out. What do people from Turin call themselves? Yeah, we'll have to find that out next week, eh? Mark that. Mark your cards, everyone. Next week, are they Turiners or are they Turinites? Or Turinos? <laughs> it's one of the three. It's got to be. <laughs> Surely. Anyway, born and bred in Turin. He was brought up there. And he is the perfect person to start the trek to Turin. And... You'll be pleased to know, everybody, that I do ask him to give us his Italian word that we all need to remember before we head out to Turin. So that'll be coming up a little bit later on in our chat. So over the next few minutes, we're going to find out even more about this year's Eurovision host city. Going to get to the bottom of a couple of things that came up last week as well on the uh, trek to Turin when we were playing some of those YouTube travel vloggers that raised kind of more questions than answers. So we'll, uh, we'll get to some of that as well. But I started, of course, by asking Marcello as a Turino, Turinite, whatever we're going to call it, how proud he is that his city is hosting this year's Eurovision Song Contest. Well, uh, absolutely. I think I'm super excited and uh, I think it's brilliant. I'm a little sad I won't be able to to be there. Um, and uh, for Turin, that's a, a great uh, second uh, uh, chance. We, we hosted the Winter Olympics in 2006. Um, that was really great for uh, the city. And uh, I really hope that uh, Eurovision, which I love, by the way, uh, <laughs> probably a bit way too much, uh, but I, I really hope that it will uh, it will uh, show the city again to the rest of the world, the rest of Europe uh, in particular. So really, really excited about it. Now, on the trek to Turin, we've got to get your Turin credentials straight away. So, so talk to us about your Turin credentials then. So I, like most people from Turin, my parents are not from Turin, uh, which is uh, first credential you need to have if you're from Turin. Uh, but I was born in Turin and I was born in uh, Mirafiori, which translates uh, something like look at the flowers, which uh, is the uh, blue collar, uh, one of the blue collar working class uh, neighborhoods uh, in the city with the big factories where we, we make or we used to make uh, cars. Um, and, uh, I have, uh, um, yeah, so I think th those two things are pretty much, uh, really defining from someone, uh, from Turin. I think when I went to, uh, when I was in school, uh, out of, uh, in elementary school in particular, I remember there were uh, 30 pupils in, in the classroom, uh, none of them, um, none of them had parents from Turin, uh, and only two of them were from the region where Turin is, Piemonte, me and another kid. So, that's definitely Turin in a nutshell uh, for you. It's a melting pot. So what brings people to Turin? Is it the industry? Because I know we, we we heard last week, you know, Turin is home to like big brands like Fias, I think, mm -hmm. and Lavazza and, and those big industries. So is that what brings people to the city? Yes, uh, absolutely. In the uh, right after uh, World War II, essentially, we had this massive migration between southern Italy and the northeast of Italy uh, to Turin, Milan, Genoa. Uh, Turin in particular got uh, very much transformed. I think even more so than Milan because uh, we used to be um, we used to be a capital, differently from Milan, which is our nemesis, so to speak. <laughs> Go on, Edinburgh. Um, we are the cooler one, whichever it is. But uh, but yeah, uh, Milan has always been uh, historically from the Roman times uh, one of the major centers in southern Europe. Uh, for Turin, we used to be the capital of Italy. Uh, but very much a garrison town, a bureaucratic town. And then there was this transformation through industry already in the late 1800s and then after World War II with the 
economic boom of Italy that really uh, had one of his uh, uh, clusters in Turin and the surrounding area. So massive amount of uh, migration from the south, the rest of Piedmont, the northeast of Italy. Uh, nowadays, uh, and later on, starting the 90s from uh, uh, Eastern Europe, uh, uh, the Ukraine, Albania, uh, Kosovo, and North Africa as well. Uh, and Peru. We have, uh, I, think, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the largest Peruvian community in Italy, or the second largest, uh, for some reason, the big concentration there. We're already learning things that I didn't think we'd learn on this. So that's fantastic. So the biggest Peruvian community in Italy is in Turin. Yeah, I think one of the, the first or the second biggest one, a uh, large community of Romanian, uh, Romanian uh, uh, people as well. And uh, it just shows that the city is it's just a layer of, of people that came in different decades and from different parts of the world, which I think is fantastic. And it adds to the beauty of the city in itself. One thing you mentioned before is that Turin used to be the capital of Italy, of course. It's got such a, a brilliant history. And that's that's one thing that people will notice, I think, won't they? When they go, there is so much history there. A lot of museums, from what I've heard, a, a huge number of museums in, in your city. Well, you can see that I think one of the best places where you can see that is uh, in uh, Palazzo Madama, which is right in the heart of Turin, in one of the big square. I think it's one of the main uh, squares where they're going to have some events for the for Eurovision um, and in there, Palazzo Madama is called uh, the, the Madame Palace. It's uh, called this way because it was the residence of a famous queen. Uh, um, of, uh, um, uh, and uh, um, you go in and you have this, uh, uh, this uh, uh, castle, which is actually, so if you look at it from one side, it looks like a medieval castle from uh, uh, a cartoon, essentially. Four towers and with bricks and so forth but it's actually was not built as a castle. It used to be a Roman gate, uh, and, and which you can see the other Roman gate of, of Turin in another part of town, uh, not too far away. And so you see, oh yeah, that's, that's basically medieval times. They said, oh, there's this gate. The Roman town was, was, uh, was, uh, already, um, uh, was already gone, uh, grew the city. And so they, someone thought, let's make a castle out of it because one side is already built. And then they added, they added, they added, and they added this beautiful facade, which you will look from the other side, that it's in marble, white, uh, with this beautiful uh, uh, stairs uh, that was designed by a famous architect, uh, uh, Yuvarra, uh, famous for, um, for the Baroque um, uh, era. And, and it's just a history laying over each other. You go inside and you can see, basically, they excavated, and you can walk on top of uh, the Roman ruins, and then the medieval ruins from two different times. And then you turn and you are inside of this, uh, again, the, the facade with this uh, addition that they added in the, in the 17th century, the 17th, 18th century, that it's Baroque and completely different. So right there for you, it's just like a cake, layers of <laughs> history, uh, one, one after the other, really. That sounds like an incredible thing to see. So that's definitely one place that people have to go to. Remind us what it's called. Palazzo Madama. You cannot miss it. It's in uh, Piazza Castello, Castello Square, which is one of the three main squares in downtown. So, uh, and where the royal palace is uh, and, and so forth. Cannot be missed, absolutely. Fantastic. And you mentioned before, you know, you've got a lot to say about your city. So is there anything else? Is there one other thing that you think if they go yes. there, and so, where else should they go? Yes. So a couple, uh, very quickly. Uh, the, for museums, uh, with many of the Egyptian museums is the second largest in the world uh, after the one in Cairo. Fantastic, great. But that's something that probably many people just going on Wikipedia will find to visit. 
the cinema museum uh, instead. It's really worth your time. It's inside this very weird building that is the symbol of the city, the Mole Antonelliana, the Antonellian uh, Mall, the Antonellian Mass. <laughs> they don't even know. <laughs> It was originally thought of as the synagogue of uh, Turin, and then the, um, uh, the, the Turin Jewish community, uh, I think they ran out of funding uh, halfway through, so they donated it to the city. The city completed this uh, monument. They, don't know, they didn't know what to do with it, though, for many decades. And, uh, and then in, uh, um, in the last 20 years, it's been transforming the uh, Museum of Cinema, uh, and it's really great because it shows you everything about moving images, not just cinema in the sense of the Hollywood movies and so forth. And it's really beautiful inside and you can go all the way on the top of the, of the mole at 164 meter almost uh, uh, height. And, and you have this panoramic view of the city, the mountains, which are gonna be right around you because that's the name of the region, Piemonte, the, foot, uh, 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 the foothill of, of the mountains. Uh, we don't have hills towards the mountain. You just have plateau, 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 and then um, and, uh, and so, yeah, that's fantastic. Marcello, one of the biggest things that we, uh, that we do here on the Treacher Turin, we did it on our Rotterdam road trip last year is we need a word from you that people who are going to Turin, you think will be useful for them. So what have you got for us? Okay. Um, it is a bad word, but it's not used as a bad word. Okay. Oh, that's intriguing already. Can I, can I use that? <laughs> okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and actually, it's very telling because it's not a word from, uh, uh, it's used in Turin a lot, but it's from Sicily. And I think it reflects, and everybody in Turin uses it, and it reflects this melting pot that, that Turin uh, has become through the decades. And it's uh, minchia. Right. Hold on. Let me try it. Minchia? Yep. Which can be used for uh, expressing uh, um, uh, uh, stupor, like... Yeah, that's a great thing. Or, uh, or uh, for uh, uh, expressing uh, anger. Maminkia, what are you doing? Uh, and, and everything in between. And it, uh, uh, it, it refers to the uh, male genitalia, but it's just used across the board. And I think it's fantastic. It's one actually of the words that I was got, um, that I used to be made fun of in Asti because, you know, 30 miles away in Piedmont, usually. People go in there, they speak Piedmontese, the dialect, maybe at home, and they don't use Minkia as a, as a normal word. Whereas in Turin, we do that quite a lot. So, yeah, very useful. <laughs> so if people are in the Eurovision Village and I hear somebody shouting Minkia, they might have loved it, they might hate it, or, mm -hmm. they, uh, or they might be referring to male genitalia. We just don't know which. It's context-based. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's a good icebreaker, though. <laughs> it definitely is. Oh, Marcello, thank you so much for being our first guest on the trek to Turin. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for telling us a little bit more about your brilliant city. Thank you very much for hosting me and uh, enjoy Turin and enjoy Eurovision. Don't forget, you can get in touch with us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. Lovely to speak to Marcello on this week's episode of the Eurotrip to give us a bit of a flavour of Turin. We'll be speaking to another Turinite next week. I promise we'll try and find out the answer to that one next week. And also, we'll try and do our best to answer the question about the restaurants, because I noticed you didn't touch on it there. But last week, somebody in one of those YouTube vlogs suggested that all restaurants close pretty early. Yeah, somebody said, you may remember last week, they said that restaurants in Turin close between the hours of 2pm and 8pm, which seems like an extraordinary long amount of time that you can't get your dinner. 
preposterous preposterous if you ask me so we'll try and find that out as well as a whole host of other things about this year's Eurovision host city next week on the next installment of our trek to Turin and I suppose a trek to Turin in itself are all of these chats we're doing with the artists from 2022 Yeah, I suppose they are. We've already had one on today's episode. We are Dommy, of course. Last week as well, Rob, you kick-started the party by speaking to Mia Dimsic from Croatia. But now it's time for artist number three from 2022, and that is Brooke from Ireland. And what a delight she is. She's just got so much energy and enthusiasm for not just Eurovision itself, but everything that goes along with it. And I caught up with her last week to find out how she's feeling, how she's getting prepared to represent her country at the Eurovision Song Contest. We talk about all sorts. She tells us about who she went for dinner with last week. Maybe you saw it on her Twitter account. But I started off by asking her a very important question, which is how much she thinks her life has changed since she found out she's going to represent Ireland at this year's Eurovision Song Contest. It's complete. I had like last night was a wee bit of like everything kind of sunk in because I was going through my schedule <laughs> of like everything that's coming up, and it's not overwhelming to the point where it's not enjoyable. It's more. I'm so grateful. This is crazy. Like this is such a different level of like prestige, is what I can say. Like I was in Belfast for St Patrick's Day, and these girls just kept coming up to me, being like. I love your music. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like, because before, before it was like, um, oh, I seen you on The Voice or I seen you on TV. Like it was never appreciating me as an artist. And I suppose this opportunity has opened so many doors for me and let me meet so many like wonderful people. And I'm, I'm going for lunch with Louis Walsh tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, like this is a this is the craziest thing ever. Like it's not it's not wasted on me. Like there is no one more fit for the job. I just feel like this is my true calling. Like Eurovision is everything that I should have been doing before, but you know, it just maybe wouldn't have been the right time. I'm just so happy, pleased, proud of my country and myself. Is this the biggest thing that could happen to somebody from Ireland going for lunch with Louis Walsh? It's so funny. It actually is hilarious. Like to think that he wanted me like I just I just extended the invitation like I wasn't expecting him to say yes but I had to I had to cancel on him the first time and I was like damn it my my chances are over <laughs> and then we like we tried again he's like yeah okay no problem like what I don't know what's gonna come out of this you're looking at the next boys owner Westlife <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to catch up again and find out the most important thing is what you actually have for lunch because that's the biggest thing I'm interested in here so have okay. you got plans have you have you already figured out what's going to be on the menu no, now you made me nervous because um, one of us not up to scratch. <laughs> oh dear. Oh God. I don't know. <laughs> let's let's refocus. Know. Let's refocus. Otherwise, I dread yeah. to think where we're going to get to if we carry on like sure. this. Should we talk about the Late Late Show and Euro song? What was the experience actually like? Because we know you've done The Voice. We know you did incredibly well on The Voice here in the UK. What was it like to be performing on the Late Late Show, on Eurosong, in your home country of Ireland, what was that experience like? It was actually a lot more pressure. Like, in terms of, like, we did a rehearsal earlier on in the day, and it was literally read through the whole way the show was going to be. And I just, I felt everything was so, like, tense. Um, I couldn't relax. Like, I wasn't enjoying the day so far. So what we did was we went 
out to a burger bar and we literally like just were sitting in the atmosphere of everyone else and we just ordered food and just sat there and I had like a whiskey and I was just like right okay I feel a lot better now I just needed out of that environment because I've been there for so long and there like for that whole week and it was just everyone was feeling the pressure but I feel like the voice was so different because every decision was made for me every song was not my own everything was decided pre- show like this was all in my control like the the choreography the song that I wrote like everything was my decision and I suppose that was where the level of intensity like got a wee bit overwhelming in terms of oh if I mess this up like I've ruined my career <laughs> like do you know what I mean like that kind of way it, it didn't matter to me if I had lost because all the songs were so good it would have just been a real proud moment of me to get to sing my song for everyone at home I wasn't expecting to to get through. How relieving was it when the vote and the points started to come through on the Late Late Show? Oh, people won't have seen that because obviously they're just listening, but the face Brooke just pulled there, I can't even describe what face that was, but you did get maximum points from the international jury, from the public. That must have been really relieving to know just how much support you were getting. That was the, oh my God, that was horrendous. <laughs> Everybody thought, like all the newspapers, I walked out after I'd won and was like, that was so, that was horrendous, that was so bad. But they thought I meant the performance. I was happy with the performance, but it was the actual tense atmosphere in the voting room. Ugh, it was awful. And I really wish they had give me the four points at the start. <laughs> because <laughs> it wouldn't have been a roller coaster then, it would have been... Oh, whoa, whoa. Like it would have been, it would have been a really pleasant experience for me and I wouldn't have got my hopes up so early. So what happened was the international jury, immediately I got um, 12 points and I was like, unreal, like let's keep going, let's keep this momentum up. Next thing, <laughs> the judges like in the jury in the audience gave me, or not the audience, it was the panel of four people gave me four points. And I was like, oh my God. I, I couldn't do the maths, so I was like, I'm out, I'm gone, there's literally no <laughs> chance of me winning. <laughs> like, I literally couldn't do the maths equations, so my head was down. And then I looked over at a boy in a maroon suit as the public votes were coming in, and he was like, like, you still have a chance. Like, he had a clipboard, and he was like, keep, like, <laughs> the maths is in your favour. Stay positive. <laughs> like, yeah, stay positive. So whenever the, the points were going up and up, like, I was like, oh, my God. This is crazy. But you know what? Regardless of the international vote and the the jury vote like in the in the in the, the late late, whenever you get the public vote, there's nothing more gratifying like there's no more gratification that you need when you have your country's support behind you, that that's the only that's the only one that people want. If I had have got twelve points from the jury in the in the studio and the international jury and got four points from the public, I wouldn't have felt confident going to Turin and representing my country. Have you, or did you speak to the panel who gave you four points afterwards? Because I know one of them on there, of course, Paul Harrington, who is just a megastar in Ireland, of course, won the contest back in 1994. Has he now gone down in your estimations? Because you're looking at him thinking, why was I not your favourite? <laughs> he must have hated me. I'm really joking. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll still look up to him, but he'll he'll still be looking down on me like <laughs> Speaking of Eurovision winners, I remember when you were on the podcast with us last time when you were chatting to Rob, and Rob brought up another 
Irish Eurovision representative, Donna, of course, winner in 1970. Yeah. She's from the same town as you. And at the time when we spoke to you, you said you haven't spoken to her. You didn't want to speak to her because you didn't want to jinx it. Have you been in contact with Donna since? Oh, baby, I've got Donna's number saved. <laughs> <in> my... <laughs> she like wrote to me before I went on the Euro song. Like she actually wrote to me that day and was like, good luck rooting for you don't get like don't be too nervous like you, you you'll be fine basically and she also said she said like give me this encouragement in case i didn't win she was like a happy life was better than a successful career so i was also i was like thank you very much like that's good that's good advice if the things don't go well but then she rang me after and she was like i'm so proud of you well done like like she sent me a big message and all and i was like this is crazy like she really like to have that support from an alumni like someone that's been there done it won the t-shirt and won the competition <laughs> like she has she has faith in me like that's that's unreal that's crazy i'm so so like relieved and and you know it was such a great pat on the shoulder like well done I, i'm rooting for you what's it been like online for you because i remember again when we chatted to you last time you were I think you said you were terrified of checking your social media before your song was actually released. But then oh, when yeah. it was out there, the public reaction was was pretty incredible. It was overwhelmingly yeah. positive. Has that, you know, has that kept up? Has that kept your spirits quite high to see what the reaction's been like from fans? A hundred percent. Like, there's no better feeling. Like, I hated Twitter. I was terrified of it. And now people are sending me all these, like, um screenshots of like mentions and people sending this and doing this and, and I'm in their favorites and you know that's cool that's so cool and it's people from everywhere Poland Azerbaijan like it's 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 mental it's crazy like it's reached so far and and I never would have like this is the first song that I've ever written and to have this song do so well and reach so many people in different parts of the world is just unbelievable to get that support is just like music is subjective. I was I'm aware that it's not gonna be everybody's favorite song ever. <laughs> like I know that. And my mommy didn't like it. So like it's it's just <laughs> it's it's subjective. I get that. But to see the people that really resonate with it, like that is that's the coolest thing ever. And a lot of people just writing to me being like, the song really makes me happy and it makes me happy and that's what it's supposed to do. It's not supposed to change your life. <laughs> it's supposed to really like get you in a good mood and make you realize that you don't like that you're it's an empowering song and it's just um self-worth that's the main thing take us inside your diary for the next 50 days or however long it is from from when we're talking i think it's 49 days until that <laughs> final that you're gonna I'm sorry gonna <laughs> sorry to break that <laughs> what does the diary look like apart from that dinner date with louis walsh what else have you got in there primarily day with Louis Walsh and I'm going on tour like basically I'll be away every weekend in April I can't wait this is such a dream I'm going to London and then I'm going to Israel and then I just can't wait and then I'm going to Amsterdam and then I'm going to Madrid so like it's just this that opportunity like that would never that would never be on my radar I would never be able to achieve anything like that um without this experience I'm so so grateful like to get to go to the euro bashes and meet everybody that's been writing to me and and like just like on it all so cool so it's so cool i'm so so excited like how, to sing live yeah of course how much of your time is dedicated to rehearsals and getting that choreography right because i remember 
when we saw you in Eurosong, there was a lot of choreography there. Surely the rest of your time is just going to be focusing on that and getting the vocals absolutely perfect. Is that basically just your life now, travelling and rehearsing? For the past two weeks, I've been living in Dublin doing everyday rehearsals, 10 to 5, um, to get the choreography right. So that's what I've been doing. <laughs> oh, I'm a dancer now. I'm a, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a full-blown dancer. No, I'm not, but I'm trying really hard. Um, I love the choreography. I love performing. I love to create a show and to get everybody involved. And I'll put a TikTok up how to learn the dance because um, it took me a long time. And if anybody wants to join in, like, I would love that. Like, it's such a, it's a, it's a community, like it's a really communal experience and everybody wants to be involved and, and anything I can do, like any any creative input I can put into the performance, like the dance, like I want to do that because I want everyone to remember, like to feel connected to me in the same way, like do the same moves, like Mean Girls, the mom at the side with the camera, like doing the same <laughs> moves and stuff. Like it's just going to be, I want it to be a big party, like my whole my whole creative strategy behind the performance is we're a girl gang and we want you to be in our girl gang. It's not sexy, it's not intimidating, it's fun and enjoyable and it's like a big sleepover that everyone's invited to. So is the performance in Turin basically going to be your performance from Eurosong supercharged? Is it just going to be like 10 times bigger? Oh my God. Well, when you look at the stage that was in Eurosong, it was six by four. I couldn't, there was, I had to like change moves to like be in three steps. Like it was just so small. And to really elevate this and bring it to a massive stage with LED floors, waterfalls in the front. Like, you know, I've got the graphics back and they're unreal. And there's a moment in the choreography that I wish I could tell you, but I can't, like, it's, it's, I can't wait. And I can envision it a lot, but I can't, obviously I can't tell. We're not going to find out, but it'll be worth the wait. That's what you're telling us, yeah? Yes, yes. Yes. Awesome. I think I gave some lovely hints there. Not really at all, actually. Not a, a, a few <laughs> sneaky hints. A few. Do you know what? For Eurovision fans, that'll be enough to keep them guessing for a couple more weeks. Okay. Don't you worry about that. Okay. Don't you worry. The big performance, of course, is going to be in Turin in Italy. Have you ever been before? Or is this going to be the first time for you in Italy? I've been to Rome. And I've been to that the Colosseum. And I mean... It was amazing. It was really sad, but it was amazing because <laughs> I had a turtle at the time, and I found out they killed turtles too. But um, it was just, it was, it was unreal. To be fair, like the weather, the food, the the gelato. I'm excited. I'm very excited. Have you thought about what it's going to feel like when the plane touches down and you step off the plane onto Italian soil, knowing that you're going to be there? for the Eurovision Song Contest. You won't be able to see this, listeners, but Brooke has got her hand over her mouth, probably because she's just so... I don't know. What's, what's that emotion when I'm telling you about all this? A mixture of excitement and... Oh, God. It's it's all excitement, actually. Everything, everything. I'm picturing... Trying to picture things so that I'm not overwhelmed when I get there. But then it's not good to have preconceived ideas about an event or something because then... <laughs> You just, you don't prepare, like you shouldn't try and prepare for something. I'm just going to try and take 
mental like camera pictures with my eyes and just remember these moments for the rest of my life because I know that this experience will be life-changing in many ways and Italy will well I'm trying to pick a tattoo at the minute so maybe that's what will influence me like all this um I'm getting one removed on my back at the minute that I got at my sister's hem party <laughs> <laughs> Are you, are you allowed? Are, am I allowed to ask what that design was, or is it is it too oh, is it too bad? It was to tell just it, no, no, it's not bad. Um, it just says free. Felt so free in that moment, and I got <laughs> <laughs> I got it on my spine, and and um, it was it was funny at the time, but I really feel like I'm ready for a proper one. Are you now taking ideas for a new tattoo design, or is this going to be all it's your like- decision? I know it's all inspiration. Oh, I'll take ideas. Right, everybody send me your ideas and uh, the winner gets to actually tattoo me. No, that would be really <laughs> <bad>. <laughs> Yeah, but no, obviously I love the this experience. I know will be life-changing and I want to remember it. But then if I put it on my back, I'll not remember it because I won't see it. Yeah, you, it's got to be somewhere that you'll remember it then. My forehead. <laughs> Every time you look in the mirror, <laughs> you'll remember it for the rest of your life. Yeah. What is your big goal for Turin? If I was to say to you, what position do you want to finish in? Where do you want? Of course, you want to qualify. Do you want to win, or are you actually not f- thinking about a result? And it's more for you just about the experience of representing your country and Turin. My goal is to qualify. Like that is my hundred percent goal. Everybody says to me, "When is the Eurovision?" I'm like, "Well." If I get there, which is my, like, which I want to, it's the 14th of May, but I'm on the 12th of May because you can't forget that there's semi-final as well. Like, for me to qualify would be a massive, like, even just to get to the final. Like, my country hasn't done that in a while. And um, I feel like this could be our year. Like, for, granted that I everything goes well. <laughs> Honestly, Brooke, you've got so many fans. I just have to look at my Twitter feed or whatever, and I just... I just know for a fact that you've got so many people who are rooting for you and will be voting for you. And yeah, honestly, it would be so nice to see Ireland back in the final because, as you say, it doesn't happen very often. And no. I think Eurovision is worse off for when Ireland's not in the final. So that would be a fantastic result, wouldn't it? That would be really, really amazing. That's my goal. There you go. And what would it mean to you to actually get to the final? Think. Let In fact, let me take you into the green room, you're sitting there in the semi-final and then they do that sequence where they read out the 10 qualifiers. Let's hope they don't leave you to last because that would be the worst feeling in the world. But what would it feel like if they shouted the word island and you knew you were going to go to the final? What would that mean to you? I think it would just be, uh, it wouldn't be for me. It would not. Everything that I've done in this competition so far, remastering the song, I'm listening to everybody like I'm listening to people I I want to hear your feedback because this is my competition as, as much as it's your competition like that everything that we do is going to be together like for everybody that's with me Um, I want to just make everybody proud and there's a lot of people that have put a lot into this Um, from my side like from my choreographer Um, everybody wants me to do well and I feel like if I qualify that's like a big a big thank you to them and a big thank you to everybody because yeah, as you say, it doesn't happen all the time and it would be my chance to give back to them because everybody every, everybody benefits from that, not just me. Brooke, I love your energy. I love your attitude. And I know so many people listening are going to be agreeing with every single word you say. So all I can do is wish you the very best of luck. Say thanks for joining us. 
And yeah, let's uh, let's catch up in Turin when you've qualified to the final. Oh God! Okay, are you going? Will I see you there? I'll be there. I'll be there, and we can catch up. If then. I get to the final, I'll have a whiskey, and if I don't get to the final, I'll have two whiskeys. So thank you very much. <laughs> Rook, thank you so much for joining us. Really, really appreciate your time. Oh, thank you so much, Jim. This was really fun. Really fun. The infectious personality of Brooke there from Ireland. James, you were all right as well. It's so <laughs> good to have Brooke back on. You know, you mentioned it to her there. I chatted to her when she was sat in a rainy car park somewhere in Ireland before Eurosong earlier on in the year. And now she's representing Ireland at the world's biggest music competition. Just nuts, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And hopefully for her sake and for so many of you listening, we know a lot of you are Irish Eurovision fans listening in Ireland. Hopefully just the one whiskey she'll be drinking (laughs) on the 12th of May after her semi-final and not the two if she finds out she hasn't qualified. So yeah, best of luck to her. Yeah, song number 10 we found out in the running order. So song number 10 in semi-final number two. That's Ireland and Brooke. Great to hear from her. And now... As is customary, of course, it is time for the one second song. Let's dive straight into it then. It's me choosing. So Rob, you can play along. You, of course, listening at home, you can play along. So for the first time, let's hear this week's one second song. Right. I think I know what country it is, and I think I know the year, but I don't know much else. Oh, that's a good start, I suppose. You are, of course, looking for the artist, the song title, the year it took part in the Eurovision Song Contest, and of course the country it was representing. Four points on offer, it currently stands. You, Rob, 21. Me, James, 20. <laughs> yeah, so that was a bit odd. Me, Rob, yes. You, James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, Rob, 21. You, James, 20. I don't know why I've just repeated exactly what you said. So you've got a chance to extend your lead and potentially have a five point lead if you know what it is. Yes, well, I definitely think I'm going to add some points to that total this week, but it remains to be seen how many. Can I please hear it one more time? Okay, I'm more confident. I'm going to have to have a bit of a stab at the name of the song oh i'm now back myself into a corner because like the person who it is has been to eurovision twice and now i'm getting myself all tripping up whether or not it's the other one not that first the first oh, one. No, oh you no you get all muddled up here well i'll tell you what dive straight into it you said you know the country and maybe the year so let's have those well i definitely know the country and i definitely know the artist okay let's have those so it's uh well I think uh, the the country that they represented the first time is not the country they represented the second time, if that makes sense. Uh, so I think it's, it, well, I think it's uh, Jelko Joksimovic off of hosted Eurovision in 2008. Uh, I think it's his song for Serbia and Montenegro in 2004, which I think is called something like Alan Moji. Well, Mr. Rob Lilly. Forgive the pronunciation on the song title, but you, my friend, have just scored four points. Hey, very pleased with that. Yeah, I, I got myself panicked that it was this song that he sung in 2012, but it's uh, no, it wasn't. I was, I was right for all along. The full four points. Let's have a listen. Oh, yeah. 
sama Ljude koje ne čujem Very well done. It feels like a long time since either of us scored four points. Or maybe it's just my bad memory and my memory of just getting it wrong all the time. But very well done. Success in the one second song. Thanks very much. Yeah, that was, of course, the contest in Istanbul, wasn't it? It's nuts, isn't it, to think that Eurovision was in Istanbul. What was that? 18 years ago. Blimey. God, how time flies. There isn't much of a tenuous connection, by the way, for that song to this week's episode. So I don't know if I should even give you the chance to try and guess because it would be harsh on you to try and figure it out. Yeah, although whatever you come up with is better than what I did last week because if you heard last week's episode, you'll know that I was just factually incorrect and therefore the tenuous link made no sense. (laughs) So whatever you say here will be better than that. So yeah, add this to the apologies list. Rob says, sorry for getting the tenuous link wrong or just a factual error wrong last week. No, this one is pretty simple. Just because we were talking about the semi-final running order, I decided to go back all the way to the very first semi-final of the Eurovision Song Contest and choose the first winner of a semi-final. And that's what it was. Simple as that. Of course, of course yeah, the uh, the semi-final, as you said there, debuted in Istanbul. It was on a Wednesday, wasn't it? Because there was only one back in the day. It used to be on the Wednesday. Yeah, imagine that now. Imagine if we ended up with three semi-finals. A Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Oh, and then a Saturday. Oh. I think we're busy enough, aren't we? We need another <laughs> one. Oh, but that... I'm afraid, well maybe I'm not afraid, maybe you're pleased to hear it, draws to a close this week's episode of, I was going to call it the One Second Song Podcast. <laughs> That's not quite right, is it? Draws to a close an episode of the Euro Trip. So thank you so much for joining us as ever. We will be back in seven days' time for a brand new episode. But don't forget, you can keep up to date with us online. We are at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Hello at EuroTripPodcast.com on the email. And we are online, of course, eurotrippodcast.com for any of our exclusive stories and make sure you subscribe leave us a review and rate us five stars from me james it's goodbye and from me rob it's goodbye so you've got mice in the in the loft loft i did hear them and i thought i can hear them rustling am i about to hear the mousetrap snap (laughs) Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.